So the bell rings and of course we all know that the bell ringing is an opportunity to get deluded again. So maybe we can actually observe that. You know, maybe we can observe the body-mind becoming, let's say, less sensitive just by virtue of preoccupation and habit. That's all. That's all. There's not, no other reason, you know. Just the habits and the fears and the desires just become real and we fall into them. We follow. And all of a sudden, life is once again at arm's length. It's at a distance. But it doesn't have to be that way. And we'd like to invite you into meditation practice, which is basically the simple process of remembering. Sati. Sati, you know, the word sati comes from the same roots or same use in Pali the language the Buddhist uh, texts were first written down in, as memory, remembering. One remembers what was said and done long ago, sati. Gurdjieff used the word remembering for his work of freeing the heart. Now, I don't know, I don't make claims to know what was being remembered in Gurdjieff's work, but it's pretty much awareness, I think, and some, some piece of it. But for us, just remembering to notice, notice the mind, notice the body, remember the awareness unfolding so here and now can be intimate again, because it's never far away, right? I mean, that's obvious. All you have to do is pinch yourself or something if there's not enough suffering already built into your life. (laughs) Now, maybe there is, in which case you just have to say, I think I'll pay attention to that little bit right now. You could pay attention to the pleasure too, but that's a lot harder. Because as soon as you do, you get sucked in, right? It's like, oh, this is cool, and you're off. The suffering, at least because it's painful, you know, at least you'll look at it and sort of have a little bit of Hmm. You know. So the moment we open our eyes, the moment we perceive another human being, all those thousands, millions of years of evolutionary sensitivity come forward. And it's like, wow, another person. And everything in us vibrates. And we wonder why it gets so complicated. Why life gets so complicated. If any of you have ever had the strange misfortune slash fortune of being really ill or preferably facing death or something like that, you know the difference between what it's like for yourself and what it's like then relating to someone else about it. 
or if you have a loved one that has died or is dying or something like that, the difference between your immediate experience of being with this person and then relating to the world about the fact of it, which then moves you into all of the back and forth of the stories and out of the suchness of what it's actually like. The suchness is not, it's, it's all bearable. But the rest of it, the back and forth and the falling into the stories of it, oh God, it's horrible. Really horrible. Same with, you know, the difference between, let's say, you break a leg or you have an argument with your significant other. I mean, a bad one, right? Let's, because we're talking about broken leg here, you know, it's got to be kind of a bad argument, not something like who's taking out the garbage, right? You broke your leg. Well, what do you do? You have physical pain and it's a big ouch. You kind of deal with it as best you can. And then you go and you say, I guess I better go to the doctor. You get a cast on it. You do whatever you have to do. Straight ahead, right? You just go do it. But what about that argument with your sister, your brother, your father, your mother, your partner? What about that? Oh, I'll just go to the doctor and get a cast on it? No, it obsesses the mind, right? There's nothing, nothing from a technical standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, more complicated than a human being, the brain, the body-mind of a human being. There's nothing. It's been said, and I find it believable, that the most complex known thing in the entire universe is the human brain. I couldn't argue with that. It sounds like someone smart said it might be true. So I have an idea. Let's put two of them together, give them the capacity to talk, give them eyes and ears and like, ooh, bodies. Let's give them bodies and put them next to each other and set them off. Like, let's make something happen. Whether it's like sex or marriage or, you know, a fight for resources. And let's see what happens. And the most complex thing make, meets the most complex thing and all this altruism wanting to help, oh yes, and all this competition for resources and all this perception of the eyes and the ears and the tongue and like, the whole body. And we do that every day. It's wow, what a picture, huh? And so when we talk about dukkha, suffering, stress, the desires associated with other humans see me, care about me, love me, respect me. Oh, did I say me yet? <laughs> and uh, 
So when we meditate together, we touch this actuality. The stimulus pushes us into insanity, self-obsession, but it also calls forth, can call forth, a tremendous amplification of mindfulness. It can call forth a profound movement to concentration as we actually share attention to the intimacy itself. By intimacy, I'm just talking about unimpeded awareness. Do you understand? Don't get all scared. Right? I'm not talking about like you have to have some emotional catharsis for there to be intimacy. It's just the awareness that's unimpeded. That's all. Just like your intimacy with your bare feet on the ground when there's pebbles under it and you really feel it. It's like that. There's just nothing in between. And that can wake us up. That can become the basis for the mind becoming very stable, very bright. And it's a natural law that we see things as they actually are. So with that, I invite us into practice.